So last last night, well, you know, there's like things in life like that you just that are just amazing to hear, like like some chick telling you you're just eminently fuckable. Like no one's <laughs> ever told me that, but if someone did tell me that, I would. Be, I mean, that would be like a a real high point. Or you go to the doc. It could be you go to the doctor and they're like, "Man, you're really healthy." And these things are just words, but they they feel good. And last night, my wife said to me, "You know, I'm really proud of you." And I that kind of caught me off guard. My my wife doesn't usually say stuff like that to me. And I looked at her and I go, "What's up?" She's all because you started the podcast again, and I know you really like it. And then I was thinking, man, it's weird how just these little words, like someone just saying they're proud of me, like that really. I mean, I do a lot of cool shit every day, but just my wife saying that to me was like the highlight of my day. I must have been high as fuck for like <laughs> hours after that. I didn't tell her, but you know, like it, and I just started thinking then this morning, I wonder, um, do you know the last time someone said that to you? Hey, Ken, I'm proud of you. Oh, I was like, that I'm fuckable? No. <laughs> <laughs> no I've been married no. for five years. I haven't heard that for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> but have you heard, have you heard, um, Hey Ken, I'm really proud of you. Uh, um, uh, my wife tells me I'm proud. Of, she's proud of me, but um, it's been a while. Yeah, it's a trip, right? Yeah, no, it's very powerful when someone tells you that. Yeah, you. I was on a phone call with you the other day, and I heard you. It was a Zoom call. There were gang gang of people on it and i didn't even really know who was talking and then all of a sudden i was just kind of like the call i I don't know what i was doing i was kind of spacing out or writing something down and then i heard someone say yeah um i used to weigh 600 pounds and i was like what the fuck (laughs) i start looking around at the zoom call like it's like someone on this like i never met anyone who ever weighed 600 pounds but when i was a little kid i was fascinated i'm 48 so when i was like eight or nine years old i was fascinated with really really big people really tall people and really obese people. But we didn't have a lot of obese people in California at that time when I was like eight years old. And I remember the guys in the Guinness Book of World's record, they were the heaviest twins in the world. Have you ever seen that picture? And they would be sitting on motorcycles. Yeah, the motorcycle guys, yeah. And at the time I was just fascinated. And now at 48, it's it's um I'm fascinated still, but it's um when I'm eight, I bring no baggage to it when I'm 48 and heavily involved in health and fitness as my um, vocation, it's like, holy shit. Like that, that's not good. Like that, like that, that's that, that person has a long road to tow ahead of them. And so when I see that you go from weighing 600 pounds to owning a CrossFit gym and to steal Greg's Glassman's line, a place where you can cure the world's most vexing problem, chronic disease i'm just like and that's why i was saying i'm so excited this morning to talk to you like to i'm to dig into that journey is like cool yeah no i'm I'm glad glad you invited me i'm glad to talk about it um am i coming through okay i was having trouble with my headsets you look great i approve of the hat on backwards and you (laughs) sound great uh well i'm bald now so i have to like kind of cover make up for it somehow how old are you? I'm about to be 40, 40 in August. Um, and where were you born? Uh, Santa Ana, California. Okay, so you're a California boy. And how long did you stay in Santa Ana? So I was about 13, and then my family moved to Arizona. 
And so, you, you own CrossFit Tempe. CrossFit Tempe uh, in Arizona. Great name. I wonder if they would give you that name today because, you know, they don't do I hear they don't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You're stoked. Um, yeah. I was like, I'm not the most uh, creative person when it comes to names and that kind of stuff. Um, it's kind of a, uh, a long story, but if you don't mind, I'll tell it to you. Yeah. Um, about not being creative or how you <laughs> about the CrossFit Tempe name pounds to cross. Okay, go for yeah, it. We'll get all, yeah. Um, just that, uh, so I used to be, I bought it. Uh, my first affiliate was called CrossFit 602 and we were located in Phoenix and I had a partner and we moved to Tempe and, uh, we decided to split ways and I was like, well, I'm in Tempe now and, uh, Tempe's area code is 480. So, um, uh, I wrote HQ and I was like, Hey, can I, I'd like to rename my, my gym to CrossFit Tempe. And, uh, they reply, they're like, sorry, we, we don't let you name CrossFit affiliates after the cities anymore. And I replied, I'm like, listen, my partner and me just broke up. I have no creative, I'm like, I don't know what to call myself. Every name that I looked up, uh, I like wrote this big, long panicky email, like as every name I thought was cool was already taken. So I got, I just got like a one sentence reply. Your request has been approved. And I'm like, that I'm shit like, works. It works. I am telling you, Greg Glassman will say yes to anything. <laughs> that's amazing. I basically just begged. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, when it comes down to it, the, the Greg and the affiliate team, all they want to do is make the affiliates happy, but that's awesome. I would not have thought that works. So you got a, Hey, I want to change my name to CrossFit Tempe. Fuck you. And then you said, please, pretty please. And they said, okay. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Just like. And then back to, it kind of comes full circle to the weight thing. Cause it's like, I've learned through CrossFit and losing the weight that, you know, just determination and just keep trying. And even if you fail the first time to keep going and, and you might succeed, you know, giving up is the only time you truly fail. So when I got that, when I got that first response, I was like, listen, I'll just lay it all out and give it one last try. And, and, I, and I ended up getting it. So I don't, I don't want to forget this question. It's, it's uh, too early to ask it, but I'm going to ask it cause I don't want to forget it. Okay. What's the most weight you ever gained back after your lowest point? So let's say you were, we'll get the real numbers here in a second, but if let's say you were at 600 and you went down to 300, what was the, did you ever make it back up to 400 again? Like, yeah, well, actually. Um, it's, a, it's kind of in my notes, but it is skipping ahead. But yeah, um, I have gained weight back. I'm, I'm at 400 now. Okay. Um, and that, that's a long story too. So, uh, but yes, I, I've gained a hundred back and I'm in the process of, uh, going back to three, back to 300 is my goal. Yeah. yeah good on you. It, so it's funny. So, um, I had a guest on about, I don't know, three years ago. And she recently hit me up just out of the blue and we were not close. She was just a guest that came and went and she just texted me out of the blue and she said, Hey, I put on 80 pounds. And I knew what she was saying. Like anyone to text me out of the blue to just say 80 pounds, they want me to fucking gut punch them. Right. Yeah. They need a fucking, like, they're like begging for someone to slap them. Mm -hmm. So I said, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? This COVID-19 thing is not a fucking joke. And yeah. the, 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 you'll be at the 90 yard line of protection if you just cut out all refined carbohydrates. Right. And then we went back and forth. She said, thanks for fucking the check. And, and then what it ends up being is, is like, um, even in my own like fitness and my own weight loss journey. Um, and it's, it's, it's nothing worth talking about, but you know, everyone, everyone, even the, the healthiest yeah. people in the world have a weight loss journey. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, 
it's like quitting smoking cigarettes. You have to try a thousand fucking times. And Gary Roberts said it. We named the show Killing the Fat Man. I did a series on this guy who lost 100 pounds, Gary Roberts. And uh-huh. the name of the show is Killing the Fat Man. And he said, hey, you, you, it, it's, it's a mistake. You, can't, you don't ever kill the dude. You fucking knock him down the stairs and he's like, he comes back up. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he's chasing you your whole life. basically Jason, yeah. Yeah, he's chasing you your whole yeah. life. It's, it's, no, it's true. Um, and one of the things I really want to talk to you about, especially in my personal case, but I, I've working with, um, people the last eight years or seven plus years, um, in my particular case, like I will always have an emotional attachment to food. Like you hear about alcoholics and drug, drug addicts, you're never really recovered. Um, unfortunately you have to have food to survive. But when I was a kid, anytime I had a bad day at school, my mom took me out for ice cream. Anytime I got a really good score on my test or I got straight A's on my report card, my mom took me out for pizza. So even now when I'm stressed out about my marriage or at the gym or like whatever, my first instinct or if like we're celebrating, my first instinct is always, all right, where are we going to go eat? You know, um, and those are like the biggest demons for me. Cause I love working out. I love doing CrossFit. I love doing all that kind of stuff. Um, my biggest demon will always be food. And you just schooled me. I'm the world's greatest dad. I don't know if you knew that, but, and, and I do that to my kids. Shit. I better stop that shit. <laughs> no way. It's really easy. Cause like, um, and I'm not saying that obviously it doesn't happen to everybody. Cause, if it, cause it's Pavlovian, of- some Pavlovian shit though. You're pointing out. Yeah. I mean, it's, no, and um, and then like my grandma used to like poke my belly and call me chubby, yep. but it was like an affectionate thing. I know she, I know she wasn't trying to be mean. I know she was just being affectionate. But like growing up, the, my two biggest things was I always thought I was fat because my grandma always called me chubby, and would poke my belly. And then my mom always took me out for ice cream all the time to cheer me up. What's my mom first- going through? Going through a divorce. So. Right. What's the first, what's the first memory of, of, of realizing that you were chubby? I've always thought I was chubby. Like, cause I was always told I was, cause my, my brother was always really tall and really skinny and I'm really tall, but I'm whiter. But if I sent you a picture of what I looked like when I was like in junior high, you'd be like, what are you talking about? You're not fat, but I grew up always thinking I was fat. Like when I, you was, was there, so I, 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 it's funny. I haven't thought of this in forever. I remember watching like a kid's version of the wheel of fortune or jeopardy. And I was a little kid or some game show. And I was probably like 10 years old. And the girl who, the girl who was answering the question, she was cute. She was like another 10 year old girl. And the, the host said, do you have a boyfriend? And she said, no, but I, I want one. And I really like chubby boys. And I remember thinking in my head, oh, maybe she'd like me. <laughs> right at that point, I must have, you know what I mean? I knew. Yeah. I and there's other moments like that. Um, uh, wearing a t-shirt to, to swim parties in the seventh grade, like a jackass. And you being the only person there with a the t-shirt and you're pulling it off your rolls of fat the whole time. And just, I did that. That was me. I was, a, <laughs> I was a fat guy in the t-shirt in the pool. Yeah. But was there any one incident? Like, do you have an incident where, where you remember it? Or was it, was it, was that grandma? Was it grandma? And you're like, oh, I'm chubby. 
as far as I can remember, even when I was like four or five, like I always thought I was chubby. Like, um, did you eat? Yeah, like- that's actually a really good question. I've never really thought about when I actually. I can tell you right now, looking back at my pictures, at <clears throat> the pictures and my memories don't line up because, like, I look back at high school pictures now. I'm like, man, I was good looking, but when I was in high school. I didn't ask girls out on dates. I used to think, why would a girl want to be with a fat guy? You know, that kind of stuff. So I guess I just always had really low self-esteem as far as, and body, uh, I don't know, body dysmorphia or whatever you want to call it. Um, and like I said, I would never blame my family. It's just how we always oh. talk to each other. Yeah. Right. Right. And now, you know, if you have kids to be, to just to be even more careful, right? That, that's actually, I talk to parents all the time because it's like, me and my wife talk about having kids and I'm like, I want to raise them responsibly with their health and like awareness of nutrition and that stuff. But then you have things like kids, birthday parties, like Halloween, Easter, like how do you raise kids with in a world of candy and, and eating like crap, but still want them to have that mental mind state where, um, where they respect food. They're so easy and so good. If you draw the boundaries, they'll never break them. Like my kids only get only get cake at birthday parties. They're never allowed to have soda. Ever, ever, never, fucking ever. Um, they would never. I would never take them out and buy them pancakes. They they still don't know what syrup is, and they're three and five years old. Oh, you wow. can just yeah. My kids like at the swimming pool. There's an ice cream machine. I never let them use the ice cream machine there. Why? Because we go swimming three days a week. That's and awesome. I know if, if I crack that seal once, it's broken. It's the same way you would never drink a Coke at your gym, right? You would never let your client see you drink a Coke. Right, exactly. Kenneth, I'm super duper uncomfortable um, with my shirt off, like crazy uncomfortable. And yet I force myself to fake that shit around my kids and always walk around the shirt with my house with my shirt off. And when I go to the beach, act like I'm the coolest, best looking fucking person ever. I just fake that shit. And I take my shirt off because I do, I'm trying to make it. So my kids don't know. I don't want them to have that. You know what I mean? I don't want them to have what I have. Uh, Cause yeah. I seen that fucking fat kid in college with his shirt off and super comfortable and pimping all the hoes. And I'm like, God, damn he's 30 pounds bigger than me and he's most confident handsome sweetest dude ever and the girls are all over his shit that's all that's all it's about man it's all about confidence yeah because i know like uh, after i lost all that weight i felt like i was the the sexiest guy in the world when i probably wasn't um but then i started you know you start asking girls out when you start feeling good about yourself yeah no but that's good to know about the pancakes and stuff oh remember that you just got to be vigilant it, one or two times, you know, you go into a Starbucks and some other kids there and the kid says, Hey mom, can I get a donut? And your kid's like, can I have a donut? And you say no. And they start crying and you just put the fucking hammer down. You pick them up and you walk outside and you say, Hey, don't cry in there. And they don't, that's it. But if you crack once, they'll see the crack. Right. And they'll yeah. wedge in there and make your life a kids. Kids always want to push the, the boundaries. Yeah. Do you have a kid's class at your gym? Uh, we just launched one during the whole COVID thing. Um, we're doing a virtual kids class now because all the kids don't have anything to do because all school's canceled. So, so we just launched one for the second time. We launched one a long time ago, um, and it was really popular for like 
three months and then it kind of slowly faded away. So yeah, that's, that's typical of us parents. We get really into something. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, I'm tired of doing that. I do remember that when I was a kid, like uh, my mom signed me up for like karate for like a couple months and then we would do something else for a couple months. It's like, yeah. So when does it, um, when does it, how tall are you? Six, three. Okay. So you're a giant dude already. I'm a big bear. There's a reason why our gym's logo is a bear. I'm okay. a big hairy. <laughs> and what's your, what's your ethnicity? Uh, I'm half white, half uh, Indian, Native American. Okay. And you, so you're in Santa Ana till you're 13, uh, California. You end up moving to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You go to um, high school there. Yep. And when you graduate high school, how big are you? I was like 225 my senior year. Okay. Um, I also, I did wrestling and football and stuff like that. So, um, that so you had was, a crazy metabolism too. You yeah, could, I was, I would say crazy. wrestling was probably the, one of the best shapes I've ever been in. I was running seven minute miles, which is a lot for me. Um, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I was like 225 by the time I graduated and just, I'm anticipating a question. I'll just skip ahead. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Do your my metabolism too. was crazy at that time. I was eating king size Snickers, two liters of Mountain Dew. I could not gain weight, and then all of a sudden, high school ended, and I stopped playing sports, and I stopped. I was just going to parties and drinking, um, and all of a sudden, I was start gaining weight. It was just weight gain after weight gain. Like literally, when you were in high school. For, for people who don't know, I can I, I, I tell them, and please stop me when I'm going wrong. You could sit down with a bowl and put a whole box of cereal in it and eat that for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And for lunch, you could have eight peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and stack of Ritz crackers and a bag of salami, right? I mean, yeah. there was no end to how much you could eat, right? At 225, doing wrestling and 6'3", and a growing boy with testosterone pouring out of your ears. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, it... Uh, and then we don't realize how much kids can eat. It's especially big men like you. It's crazy. I don't know. And then you go to you go to McDonald's for dinner with your friends, and you put up, put down like a double quarter pounder with cheese and you know supersized fry, and, and then you and your friends would go play basketball at night, and nothing, nothing. It didn't seem like, like I never never clicked in my head that you know eating like shit was going to catch up to me. Right. And then then you add beer into the equation when I was in my twenties. That shit is no joke either. Because I can, I can probably drink, uh, you know, nine, ten beers without it. You know, that'd just be a typical party. I bet you, at, at four hundred pounds, you could drink Coors Lights all day and just barely <laughs> keep a buzz. You could just. Well, if we ever meet in person, I'll challenge you to a drinking contest. Oh, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um. So. So, so then you're in high school and, um, you graduate from high school. Do you go to college or do you go straight to work or I went straight to work? I was done with school. I went to, um, I got a job as an electrician and, uh, and just worked in construction for most of my twenties. And then I got a, an office job in my late twenties. And is that Uh, when you hit 300? Yeah. So when I got the office job, um, well, it was kind of an office job. It was half office, half out in the field fixing machines. But I was just, I was just driving around in a, a, a van. Anyway, um, I hit 300 around that point. 
uh, my late twenties. And then I, I got really depressed. Um, because all my other friends were just graduating from college and does depressed mean suicidal? Like when people say that, I was like, Oh, does that mean they're suicidal? Like what's depressed? Um, I had given up on being happy. Like I had accepted that I was always going to be fat and miserable. So I drank anything that was in front of me. I ate whatever was in front of me. I started doing drugs. Um, like what kind of drugs? Um, Weed, weed and cocaine. Yeah, weed doesn't count. I mean, I don't yeah. smoke weed, but in your thirties, that doesn't count. <laughs> uh, so I started. Cocaine dabbling. counts. I, 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 I started in cocaine. Um, but did you get pretty, girls when you were on cocaine? What's that? Did you get girls when you were on cocaine? I didn't get girls for most of my twenties. <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, that's I the so, only good thing about cocaine is like there's usually some girls in the mix. So I went to a lot of really good parties. Yes, there was a lot of a lot of girls at the parties. Um, no, it was more that it was just numb. I just wanted to be numb, and coke the coke would make me numb. All around your weight, your personal image, all the depression and everything was around your personal image. Exactly. I was okay. so I was I felt so ugly my entire life. Um, this is actually the hardest part to talk about. It was just you look in the mirror and you're just, you're just so fucking disgusted with yourself and you just, you're like, well, nobody's ever going to want to marry you. So you're never going to have kids. Um, every time you didn't get the job or didn't get the promotion, you just look in the mirror and you're like, who would promote you? You fat ass, you know, look at you and you just constantly just talk bad about yourself. And the only thing that ever made me feel better was drinking myself to a stupor or, you know, doing some kind of drug or, or, you know, just going to the bar and eating 24 chicken wings and, and downing some beer. Like that was like my daily rituals, just getting off of work and going to a bar and just eating chicken wings and drinking beer. And, and then on the weekends by yourself, by myself. Yeah. yeah. And then I would just party with my friends on the weekends. So in the quick exchange we've had, and we've never talked before this, but we did a quick text and I said to you, hey, that blows me away that you weighed 600 pounds. And you said, it's a, man, it was a great line. And I said, you should write a book. It, um, sweaty, uncomfortable, and lonely. Yeah. That's just and, yeah. and I was like, wow, that's some powerful shit. I, I had a friend who wasn't necessarily fat, but he weighed 300 pounds. He was 6'2". Um, he was just juiced to the hilt just fucking just a big old roid monster good great dude i love him um and he told me that when you go over 300 pounds you have to have air moving on you at all times mm -hmm. so like when you go to bed at night you gotta have a fan on you he says you can't sit still you just if you're just in homeostasis you start sweating yeah dude i so at my heaviest i had to sleep in a recliner because if i slept in my bed my body weight would suffocate me um, I would wake up For real. Day. You're not exaggerating. No, That's I'm not real. exaggerating. Like I could not physically breathe when I was laying on my back. Um, I was fighting for air every freaking night trying to sleep. My back and my knees always hurt. Um, just walking from my car to the office, I would be drenched in sweat. Um, 
just to walk up a couple things of stairs, I had to hold, I'd have to hold the rail because I couldn't even get up the stairs without just being completely winded and, and sweaty and just covered in sweat. And then you get in the office and, Oh, here's another gross. <laughs> as well, since we're getting to know each other, um, my circulation was so bad in my legs that my calves were like this big, but it wasn't because of muscle. It was just all this fluid was building up in my, my calves and my shins. And eventually they would get sores on them and they would pop and there'd be a bunch of fluid coming out of my legs because there was just so much fluid that couldn't get up to the lymph nodes, you know? And it would just come out of your pores. It would just come out of the pores. Yeah. So if I'd wear jeans to work by the end of the day, my jeans would just be covered in this fluid. And that doesn't help anyone's self-esteem. That definitely does not help your self-esteem though. Would you ever, I had this car and it was just a piece of shit and I used to drive around and be like, does and like, see if I could ever, the game was for me, could I ever find a car that was worse than mine? Mm-hmm. And did you ever play that game where you're like, walk, like, you're like, oh my God, it's been six months and I haven't seen a human being larger than me. Yeah. I mean, you're very aware of everybody else's physique when you're, when you're going through what I went through. Even today, <clears throat> I'll walk anywhere and just kind of size up people and not in a bad way. Like, no, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just like, am I the ugliest or fattest person in this room? Right. Right. No. That's how I feel on every Zoom call when I go on the Zoom call with all the CrossFitters. <laughs> Holy shit, I'm ugly. <laughs> oh my god! If I if I had your job being around the people you have to be around, I'd have like major, like I don't know, body oh, issues. <laughs> oh, I, do. I do. Constantly flexing, just walking around. <laughs> when yeah, when you're with guys whose lats, when you're with women whose lats are when they're resting are bigger than mine flexing. It's, uh, it's tough. <laughs> so you, so you, you got this desk job, you get to 300 pounds. You're not happy with yourself. You're doubling down on the drinking. You're partying more. Um, did you roll joints or bong or do all the, when you smoked weed, the whole gambit? Did so, you have any- oh, Usually bongs and pipes. Uh, yeah. Um, rolling joints is fun though. I don't have that coordination. Like oh. yeah. so it's the only thing I miss about smoking. It's the only thing I really miss about college is just the rolling of the, just rolling stuff. It is more of a ritual when you, yes. when you get to roll it. Um, yeah, I could see that. So then you put, so then you put on weight and um, when, when is, is there a time when it really starts putting on? Um, like how do you go from 300 to, did you actually make it to 600 pounds? Yeah, I mean, well, a little bit under like five ninety ish. How do you how do you know how how do you someone weigh themselves who's five ninety? Oh my god! Could you stand on two scales? Does that no? Work? I I weighed myself on what like so I worked in this warehouse mm-hmm. that had like um you'd put pallets on and it would weigh the pallets. Uh huh. And so oh, I would weigh myself on those things. Whole and where was that? Can you tell me where that was at? It was at TRW. It was, uh, they, they made airbags. And so, bef- and that was for shipping. Like you would have to weigh a pallet before you shipped it. Yeah. So I had to wait, I had to step on a shipping scale. And so no one would be around and you'd be like looking both ways and shit and then just be like, hit the, the tear button. It's you see zero and jump on. No, uh, it's actually worse. Uh, 
my coworkers were were talking shit to me, and one of them paid me was said they'd pay me fifty dollars if I could prove that I weighed under six hundred pounds. So, so I stepped oh. up the scale. Yeah. Oh. Holy shit! Did he give you the fifty bucks? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Holy shit. I turned into like one of those Mikey, like Mikey likes it guys. People would dare me to do shit. And I would like one time I drank an entire big ass bottle of Tabasco sauce for 50 bucks. Like I did a lot of stupid shit just to get attention. Even though it wasn't positive attention, I would take any attention at that point. Oh, I understand. I I had a boss yell at me one time and she goes, I'm sorry I yelled at you. I'm like, I'll take any attention. I I I was like, holy shit, did that come out of my mouth? It's true though. It's like when you're, when you feel so bad about yourself, like just anybody paying attention to you feels good. Even if it's not the kind of attention you really should be getting. So you, so did you ever have a girlfriend before you were married? Um, yes, I've had a couple. And that was early in high school? So I had a girlfriend in high school and then I had a girlfriend right out of high school um then we broke up and that's when i started really hitting the drinking um but then i didn't have a girlfriend throughout my rest of my 20s and early 30s no i just i shrunk into myself and just i don't know if i would say so i don't i wouldn't say suicidal as much as i didn't care if i died if that makes sense yeah like i wasn't actively trying to kill myself but if it happened i wasn't going to be upset about it Right. Like I was going to eat, drink and do drugs. And what if I, if I didn't live, live to 30, whatever, I don't care. You know, there's a, um, a friend of mine named Matt Bickle and I don't know how much he weighs. I don't know if he ever made it to 600, but he was really big. He definitely made it to 400 and then now he's 300. Excuse me. And he was at my house and he went to go sit in a chair. I was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. And he goes, oh, I'll test it first. He, and, he, and he made some joke about knowing the chair test, like uh, how to ch- test a chair. Uh-huh. And I'm guessing like, I guess maybe you didn't go out much anyway, but once you start getting to 400 pounds and over, maybe even 300 pounds and over, like you have to be careful where you sit, right? Like plastic chairs. I feel like, you've been sp- I feel like you spied on my life because they're. <laughs> well, I've just talked to a lot of people. I've talked to a lot of people. It's a fascinating subject for me. The chair stories are always crazy. Like someone will be like, I, I crushed a steel chair. I'll be like, what? <laughs> One of my saddest memories is I went to, uh, I was working at the power company. This is the last job I had before I worked. I got, I have an affiliate was, uh, I worked at a power company and we got invited to this luncheon and I get there, I'm excited because, you know, I got invited to this big special event and I find out that it's outside and it's all in plastic chairs and everybody sat down and everybody's eating. So I sit down and as soon as I sit, the plastic chair just evaporates. It just oh. explodes and I'm, I fall to the ground. I'm like a turtle who can't get up because I'm so big. Like two people had to come over and pick me up. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you, dude. Um, they brought me a, a chair from the inside. Um, I didn't. I don't even think I ate lunch. I just went to my work van and just cried. I probably cried for about thirty minutes straight because like of all sobbing, the sobbing, crying, like sobbing, crying because I was like so 
embarrassed and I heard people laughing and I just, that was probably one of the hardest moments of my life is that one, the, the chair incident is something that I look back on. Even now I'll go to like restaurants and stuff and look out in the patio and I'm like, I don't want to, even if it was the most amazing weather, I would still probably still not sit on a patio just because of that one instance. You're scarred. I'm scarred for life on that one. Yeah. I, I, I've heard, I, I, um, I'm trying to remember who told me the story. It wasn't Athena. Someone told me a story about how they were in a supermarket and a piece of fruit rolled off and onto the floor. Mm-hmm. And they knew that they couldn't pick it up because they were too fat. And they looked around and a lady saw them, saw her drop the fruit. And so now she had the social obligation to pick up the fruit, but she knew if she went to the ground, she wasn't getting up. Oh my God. And uh, Athena Perez told me that she was so big that she didn't go upstairs to her bedroom for a year. She just started living in her living room. Really? Yeah. And I, I just, about, yeah. And I hear stories like that and it's like, wow, that's, that's, that's not, that's intense, right? I mean, basically it's your carbohydrate addiction and correct me if I'm wrong. Your carbohydrate addiction has come to a point. It's like an alcoholic who can't go to work anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like hindering your everything. You start planning your whole life around eating and, and not just eating. I don't know about the other people you've talked to, but I used to hide eating. Mm -hmm. So I would go out with my friends and I wouldn't eat. But then on the way home, I'd get drive through and then I would eat all the food in the drive through and then I would stuff all the wrappers in the glove box. And uh, it really was like, an, like, you know how people like husbands and stuff like hide their heroin addiction or whatever from their, their wife or their mistress or their mistress or whatever it is. Yeah, that was um, that's basically was my life is just not eating around other people. And then anytime I was alone, just freaking binging on food. Yeah. Um, and then feeling that shame afterward. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Um, Gary told me that like in order to be as big as he was, when your wife would announce dinner was ready, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to run to the store real quick. And then you just go to McDonald's and eat two hamburgers and then come home because you didn't yeah. want anyone to see how much you really needed to fuel yourself. Yeah, for real. That, that that was exactly me. I, like anytime I had to go to dinner or anything like that, I would stop somewhere else and stuff my face. Yeah. So you know, it's like that for um, for smokers too, and it's almost like that um, like that for me with caffeine now. Like I plan my day around caffeine. It's it's funny because the quarantine has kind of stopped that a little bit. But anytime I was like, oh, I'm gonna go over to so and so's house. Let's say I had a me- or I'm gonna go to work and have a meeting. Okay, I'll swing by Starbucks. Like I'm always rewarding myself like with a cup of coffee as I went down. And when I smoked cigarettes in college, it was like that. It was just moving from one place to another to have a smoke. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I could totally see how food. It really, really is an addiction. It's just, and it's the hardest addiction in my opinion. I I've never been addicted to pretty much anything else, but, um, just because you have to have food to survive. Like you'll die without it. Have to dance with the devil. Like I can tell my devil, "Fuck you! I'm never touching nicotine again." Right. But you can't do that with food. Right. And it's really easy to fall into those traps where you're like, "Well, I've been so good. I'll just have pancakes today because we're all going out to brunch." Then you have pancakes, and all of a sudden you're like, "Ooh, that was amazing!" Then the next day you're like, "Well, I guess I could have pancakes again today." You know, it's 
And um, by the way, if you haven't noticed, pancakes are like my my biggest trigger. Like I start eating pancakes and I'm, I'll be done for the next couple of weeks. As soon as you said it, you started smiling ear to ear. <laughs> so how, how old are you? You get on the scale at 590 in a warehouse where you're where there's pallets. Um, and, and then you, it's sometime later that you're at a party and a chair breaks. Mm-hmm. Is, is what, what ends up being rock bottom? And are you doing any like working out during this time or have you just yeah. stopped working out since the day you graduated from high school? So the chair incident was my original rock bottom. Cause after I collected myself from being a Big crybaby. Sorry, one um, more thing. One more thing. Did you know at that time at 590 that you couldn't stand up if you laid down? Yeah. So that was something you had to deal with every day in your day-to-day life. You know that if you went to prone, getting up was going to be like, I mean, could you do it? I would could. You have to lean on um, it's not something that I would actively try to do because it was a process to get up off the ground. So like – you got to grab, usually it involves grabbing something else and like hoisting yourself up instead of just being able to stand up off of your own, you know, power. So there, there were, there was a, there was a way to do it. It's just something I wouldn't want to do in front of other people. Right. So you knew the second that chair broke, was that like one of the first things that popped in your head? Oh shit. How am I going to get up? Uh, My first thought, I pretty sure my first thought was, Oh my God, I just did that in front of all these people. That was my initial thought. Then my second thought was, now I got to get my ass up. So Yeah, like if I get embarrassed, I always have the option to run. <laughs> but you're just... You're, there's no running. There's no running. I guess I could have rolled away. <laughs> okay, so that was your first rock bottom? Was there another oh, one? First. And I, so I joined a typical Globo gym after that. Um, hired a personal trainer at like, <laughs> I want to say like $60, uh, a half hour or something like that. So expensive. It was very expensive. Um, and he wasn't very good looking back on it. Um, did he care? But, uh, he didn't really, it was the same workout every single day. It was <clears throat> 10 minutes on the treadmill and then we would carry kettlebells around the gym for a couple of minutes. And then we would do some step ups. I mean, granted, there's not, you know, when I was at my biggest, there wasn't a lot to, that I could do. But um, I would never recommend that to anybody, that experience. Because I lost some weight initially, but just the repetitiveness of the treadmill or the elliptical. And then you do a couple things. And then you go sit in the sauna. Like the, re- the, the repetitiveness of it was so boring to me. Um, and I never, I would always just go hard, you know, go for a week and then quit for a couple of weeks, go for a week, quit for a couple of weeks. I was in that cycle of, all right, I need to lose weight, but this sucks. I hate it. I hated machines. I hated, I pretty much hate every exercise in a typical Globo gym atmosphere. Um, so I finally, I was just like, you know what? I went back after a couple months of that. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Um, I'll, I'll just be fat. You know, I just reserved myself. And then in, why did you get a personal trainer? You wrestled, you, you, you did football. You, um, 
why would you need, why wouldn't you just go in there and do your own shit? Um, part, I think part of it was just, I felt like hiring a personal trainer made myself more serious. Okay. Like I was taking it more seriously to have a personal trainer. Like um, accountability even? Or? Yeah, like accountability. Cause, but he didn't like, give it to you. Before I had the personal trainer, I would walk in. I don't know. Am I allowed to say names of gyms? Yes. Okay. I would walk into the LA Fitness. Bankrupt. Okay. No, I don't know if they are. I think they are. I think they are. Think they are. <laughs> I would walk around the gym and be like, all right, well, this looks cool. And I would do this, you know, and then I'd, or then I would just walk around and not know what to do. Because when I was in wrestling and football, we just had free weights. We never had machines. And LA Fitness was just machines. So I didn't even... And that was, you know, tw- at the time it was like 12 years before that. So I just thought having a trainer would help me better uh, get my results. Okay. Um, but then, so after I gave up that, um, in August of 2012, um, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer and, um, it had already, by the time she got diagnosed, it had already spread to her liver, her brain and her, um, her hips. And so, um, sorry, it's kind of hard to talk about. Um, so they told her that she was going to die and we transferred her to hospice. And right before she went into a coma for the last time, she made me promise that I would get healthy and be happy. And she told me that she loved me at that she hates that I've been so miserable for so long. And if she could just do one thing, it would to make, it would be to, she would just wanted me to be healthy and happy. It was her, her big things. She wanted me to get back in shape and find a wife and, and have a family. And, and I was blown away because there's this woman who's just, who's in the bed. She's already lost like, a hundred pounds. She's like this skeleton and her biggest concern right before she dies is me. You know, I'm like, that blew me away. I was like, why are you worried about my health and my happiness when you're in this bed dying? And it was so powerful and so sad because I'm like, I didn't understand. I guess I never really understood love until that moment, you know, where someone you love is dying and they're more worried about you than them. So anyway, yeah, there's no, there's no self, right? Yeah. She had already accepted her fate and she was, what love is, huh? yeah. No yeah. I think I did 110 podcasts. I never cried. Oh, really? I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn. That is an incredible story. And at this time, this is 2012, you're 32, you're 32 year old man. You're like, yeah. you're basically in your prime. Yeah. And you're, um, weighing, and you're weighing and you're so big, you can barely go through the door at the hospital. Pretty much. Your room. <laughs> yeah, I was, so I never really left her side during that. And they is would always be like, is your dad alive at this time? My dad left when I was like three and I've, okay. I've never, I've never really, I've never seen him since I was three. So, okay. Yeah. That was part of the whole, like my grandma used to poke my belly every day. Cause after my dad left, my mom moved in with my grandparents. 
And, and you know what? Um, I, I, a, a very close friend of mine told me, she's a young lady, she's 28 years old, she has three boys also, and she says it's so hard because when she cooks with sugar, her boys tell her she's the best cook ever, and all she wants to do is hear nice things from her boys, and she was just telling me all this stuff. And yeah. I wanted to give her the tough love and be like, I don't give a fuck, don't feed <laughs> your boys sugar, blah, blah. But anyway, I didn't do that. I just hung tight, and I heard her, and I think that with your mom and your grandmother, yeah, they wanted to make you feel good. Your dad fucking split. And what better way to make you feel good than to feed you nice things? Oh, totally. Right? I mean, sweet things. Okay. So yeah, no, it's, uh, it's your mom drops this bomb on you. Yeah. She drops this bomb on me and then she goes to sleep that night. And little did I know she wasn't going to wake up. Um, but I was by her side at the hospice. And Do you have siblings? I have a brother. Okay. Yeah. They weren't as close. I was, I was like the mama's boy. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, we we're, I was watching TV by her bed and I was flipping through, I think it was ESPN and it was those old Reebok commercials where Reebok, uh, would show like people doing box jumps and Olympic lifts. And it was like a, it was like a nano commercial or whatever. And, uh, and I was like, oh, my God, I was so blown away by that stuff because it was something I'd never seen before in L.A. fitness. Um, so I did some research about the commercial and the shoes, and that's how I found out about CrossFit was because of that commercial of seeing all those people doing those crazy CrossFit-y what, – what people call, say now, the crazy CrossFit stuff, uh, I was so blown away by and I had just made that promise to my mom and I'm not like a, like a super religious person or like, you know, whatever. But I was like, I just made this promise to my mom. And then this commercial came on. Like I took it as like this big sign. So yeah. I've heard people say that um, the devil talked to them through a Simpsons episode. So to say, God talked to you through a Reebok commercial. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> well, Maybe Reebok will sponsor on, me after this interview. On drugs. Yeah. You weren't even on drugs. <laughs> okay. That's, I was I was not on drugs at the time. Let me just right, 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 right. <laughs> so um, literally in the room with your mom after she's dropped this bomb on you. She's on her la she's having her last breaths, and this commercial comes on TV, and you fucking whammo. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. I love it's, it. It's actually really crazy to think about how my life has changed because of that one day. You know. Right. right. Um. So then after she passed away, are you a nano two guy? A Nano 2? Yeah. I had the Nano 2s. But yeah. what, what's your favorite Nano? What's your favorite shoe? Are you are you a Reebok guy now? or? Yeah. No, um, I love the newest. The, uh, I think these are the 19s. Okay. Um, but I was a devout two, uh, Nano 2 guy for forever. I hated every Nano. Me too. They got like super narrow. I'm like, Nano 2 till I die. I have like 20 <laughs> pairs just in case they ever stop making them. I'm terrified. I can't wear other shoes. Uh, the 19s aren't bad, but uh, the 2.0s are still my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I had a. Uh, <laughs> I went out uh, when I I googled you know CrossFit gyms near me, and I went to my first one. Um, and before that, I bought these $300 pair of running shoes with a super squishy heel. Uh -huh. And I thought I was like, yes, I'm I'm here. I walk in, and uh -huh. everybody's wearing the Nanos, and I'm like, what the hell? And then Where I go. That? This is when you first went to a CrossFit box. It was my first CrossFit box experience. I was like, that was the first thing I noticed. Is like I like I'm wearing the wrong shoes. So, um, 
So you, so you, so you see the commercial, um, your mom passes away and, and your journey begins like right away. You're like, all right. Kind of. Um, so I Googled CrossFit gyms near me. And then after the funeral, I, uh, about a week after the funeral, um, I drove to the, to the gym, it was CrossFit Mesa. Um, and I pull in the parking lot and I, I have this weird mind where I'm picturing just shirtless bros and girls in booty shorts doing curls. Cause I didn't even know what CrossFit was at the time. Yeah, I like your but, image. I'm down with that. I was picturing just, just <laughs> buff dudes doing curls and benching. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. But I pictured walking in there and them telling me that I wasn't welcome or them just like looking down on me. So I got, I was like, screw this. And I just backed out of the parking lot and drove down the street. Um, that happened. I parked in that parking lot. I'm not even exaggerating for like a week. Like I would pull in the parking lot, chicken out and drive away right, for like a week. Cause I was very, just like, very common story, brother. Ken, so common. It was, is it? So common. I I just heard that story just a few months ago from a lady who works out at CrossFit HQ now. Uh Um, I think she weighed 500 pounds and she knew that going, walking from her car to the class was going to be more than she could handle. Uh So she justified not even going there. And then I think one of the trainers came out and knocked on her window and said, okay, time to get out of your car. (laughs) And that was her workout that day. I think they had her walk to the box and walk back to the car and she was done. But yeah, total common story, right? People and that's terrified actually of going in the box. I'd be terrified too. I'm, I'm terrified now when I visit boxes. <laughs> no shit. Uh, me too. I, don't, I own one and I don't like it. <laughs> I get scared too. <laughs> oh, um, we go. Yeah, I was like, where can I go? Um, okay, so, so for a week, you're pulling into the parking lot for the 10 a.m. class. Are you calling them at that time, letting them know ahead of time, or you're just going to walk in cold? No, I was just going to walk in. I wasn't even at the point where I wanted to let people know I was interested. I was just like, um, I was just so worried that they would tell me I wasn't good enough to be there. And then would you go home and then research it some more online and do some more trolling and looking yeah. and then be like, okay, tomorrow I go. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I would, every day I was driving away, I was like, okay, just go to work. We're going to go to bed early. Then you can come, you know, tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow is always tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you made this promise. You have to keep your promise, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but then I walked in, I finally got the courage to walk in. And it was, it was a night. It was a good guess. You said 10 a.m. It was a 9 a.m. class. And it was all like 40 year old uh, moms with PVC pipes. And, I walk in and every like everyone came in, even the, the members would come in and shake my hand and they'd like, you know, what's your name? Welcome to CrossFit Tempe, or <laughs> Tempe, CrossFit Mesa. The coach came over and greeted me and treated me like a, you know, a person. And, it, and then uh, I watched the class and after the class, he explained what CrossFit was and asked me if I wanted to try it. And um, the next day I, I went back and I tried the class and, with all, the moms, with all the moms, with all the moms, I was a, I was a big 9am guy. Cause I was very comfortable working out with the moms for sure. <laughs> but my first workout was thrusters, box jumps and a 400 meter run. And they scaled it to a PVC thruster where I didn't even have to squat. I would just sit in a bench. I'd like my butt would touch the bench and I'd come back up. 
and then I would to, I'd go on a 50 meter walk and then I would do step ups onto a 45 pound plate. And that workout destroyed me. Like how much I did you was, weigh at this time? I was uh, in the, close to 600. Yeah. I wonder if you're, I wonder if you're the, I, w- I would be willing to bet a thousand dollars of your money. <laughs> you're the heaviest person that ever walked into that gym. And I'd be willing oh. to bet $5,000 of your money that you're the heaviest person ever to start CrossFit. You think? It shouldn't be that way. And that, that's another reason why I need to talk to you. Everyone needs to do that. But, but kudos for the gym to take the challenge. Like, hey, that's how good a CrossFit coach and CrossFit gym is. We're not asking you to do anything except what human beings do. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was the thing that I loved is not only like I'm just doing things. The workout was just things that human beings do, which really made me happy because I wasn't trying to look. I wasn't going for aesthetics. I was going for health. You know, I want to be a healthy person. And it made more sense to me to do movements that your body was supposed to do in the real world, in the natural world, as opposed to, you know, pec decks and curl machines and that kind of stuff. So I really dug the whole um, compound movements, natural movements, that kind of stuff. But um, I was going to say, I'm actually really happy. I was probably one of the happiest people in the world when, uh, Greg decided to focus more on the health and uh, not focus so much on the competition side. Um, because I'm not going to lie. I've signed up people who've come in here and gone, I've seen the games documentary. I want to be Matt Frazier. I want to be Froning. Um, I do sign up those people, but most of the people I sign up for are trying to get healthy. And, you know, those are the people I want to work with really are the people who are trying to be healthy. I went through that evolution. I started CrossFit at 34 and I wanted to be Miko Salo. Uh-huh. But now I'm, now I'm on the other side at 48. I just want to be healthy. Like, Isn't that crazy though? Cause I went through that. Yeah. Honestly, I went through that too. When I lost, when I got down to 300, I was like, I'm going to regionals someday. I'm going to be a badass. Like I had all these like delusions of grandeur and like, like now I just want to have a kid and be able to play with them. Right. You know? <laughs> it, it, it literally is like that. Like, um, doing, um, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe like if, like if I'm following something that like a, a prescribed weight, I'll look at the women's weight and then I'll cut that in half. Yeah. Like literally, but, but I mean, I'll still go hard and I'll still move, you know, and I really want, like, I'll go to the a hurt place, but I am no, not interested in the risk of any, um, Injury is not even it. Like I like to be sore. I like to be really sore. I enjoy being sore, but, but you know what I mean? I'm really yeah. there just to maximize a different, um, I'm looking really, I'm looking at the length. I want to do CrossFit my whole entire life. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a really good coach when I first started who would just be like, um, I know you can do the RX weight, but you're not going to have that intensity. And what's the point of being able to lift something uh, once as opposed to just keep just, we just want to keep you moving. Like you right. want that intensity and, and, and it was really, really good to have somebody who was there good at scaling. So I think I did, like you said, uh, the woman's RX weight, like half of that was like my go-to weight for the first year. And then all of a sudden I became a competitor in my brain and I was like, I'm RX plusing everything. I don't <laughs> yeah. care. If I how, get time cap this time, how old were you at this time? Uh, when I was at my most bro-y, 
Um, probably 35, 36. Yeah. That's yeah I, was, pro- I was I yep. was super. <laughs> it's actually really funny. I think get about it. it. Yeah. I like cold bar 225 clean just because I could. And I'm like, nowadays I would be like, that is so stupid. Right. <laughs> so wow. now I'm back. Now I'm back to lightweight and just keep moving and, you know, try to get that heart rate up and, you know, and I do a lot of the I, things I, I, that I, just I'll suck go. What's up? I do a lot of the things that just suck. I do a lot of burpees. I do rowing. I do the assault bike. I mm. force myself to do rope climbs, you know, yeah. just stuff that I really that I can do, but I just, it's just puts you in the suck zone, but just yeah. fucking discipline, do it. Right. Yeah. That is the one thing I need to do better at. Um, I have been known to cherry pick burpee workouts. <laughs> <laughs> you mean around them? Yeah. I work around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Most people I think over six feet tall, they're not, I got a, I have a, a dear friend who comes to the house a lot and, um, there's absolutely nothing I could beat him in. He's a young, young man, a cop, he, but he, I think he's probably six, six, but maybe the only thing I have a chance to beat him in is burpees. And I, I almost feel bad watching a man who's six, six do a burpee. I'm like, Jesus. Oh my God. So my wife is five foot one uh-huh. and I hate working out with her just because <clears throat> everything is better for her. Like we do thrusters. Like my one thruster takes like three or I have to do, or she can do three thrusters by the time I do one burpees forget about it like she destroys me on burpees the only thing i can beat her on is wall balls that is like the only freaking thing even like deadlifts she just has to like bend her knees and she's standing up like do you guys work out a lot together we try to yeah yeah we, <laughs> all right you've got me all opened up i'll talk to you um so when we first started dating i would uh or before we were dating i used to coach her and then um, when we started dating, I tried to coach her and she did, she was like, don't, don't coach me. Don't coach me. Like, like as soon as we started dating, like something happened in our relationship where I could no longer give her feedback on her, her cleans or her snatches. Um, but now we've, we're good. We've gotten back to a place where we can critique each other's movements. And it's like, you know, it's fun again. It's finally gotten fun again for us to work out together. I, I haven't ever heard that's interesting. I've always I've never heard anyone go through that evolution. You're the first person. I've heard a lot of people say, Oh, you should never work out with your wife. You should never work out with your girlfriend. Oh, it always leads to fights. My wife and I just we like before we had kids, we worked out every time together. And now when I'm working out, she'll come in the garage and cheer me on. Or if I know she's working out, I'll go in there. But we never went through the phase where you couldn't coach each other. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just because she never coaches me and I only coach her. <laughs> Maybe if she tried to coach me, I'd be the one to say that. Yeah, have her do it. It's fun. <laughs> As you crinkle your mustache. Okay, so you're at CrossFit Costa Mesa, uh, not Costa Mesa, you're at CrossFit Mesa mm-hmm. and you um, start there. How long do you go there before you start being like, oh shit, this is it. I'm going to start losing weight. I'm going to fulfill my mom's wish. I lost 27 pounds my first month. Okay. Wow. So, um, it was, so when I signed up, they had just started a 30 day paleo challenge, um, which was really good for me. Cause I, like you said, I have that carb addiction. Um, so I went to CrossFit three to five times a week and then I would do the, I, I killed it at the, the paleo stuff. Um, and yeah, I lost like 27 pounds the first month. And then I was like, well, shit, this, this stuff does work. Let's keep it going. 
Um, so yeah. And, just, and, then, and how long were you there? At CrossFit Mesa? Yeah. Till I opened up my own place. So I opened up my own place in uh, May of 2013. So you were there a year? Yeah, I was like there a year, yeah. And how much weight had you lost in that first year? Um, I got I lost 150 the first year. So you went from 600 to 450. Mm-hmm. And when did you take your L1? Um, in the summer of 2013. So, and and did you take your L1 because you wanted to open an affiliate or did you take your L1 because you're like, Hey, I just need D de- I want deeper knowledge. Just cause I want deeper knowledge. Like I want, what's that? Was that scary? The L1 as a 400 pound man was really scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was definitely not the, the least fit in that entire, um, group but it was fun i learned a lot um a guy i still talk to uh, zach forrest out of nevada yep. he was my that. he was my yeah he's amazing amazing i love zach so much good energy from that guy and what a beautiful mover too man oh my, he moves good i hate him he's yeah. such, <laughs> um when me and my wife got married we got married in vegas and he actually opened up his gym so me and my wedding party could have a CrossFit workout the day of our wedding. God, Zach so, is great. Yeah. He's I, just he's an amazing the, guy. Yeah. I don't know if he's still on the L1 team, but he definitely used to be on the L1 team. And that's how I met him. And I, he always, I always looked up to him. Yeah. He, he taught me so much in those couple of days about movement to coaching, you know, just being a good person. Like, he's that kind of person that just you're around him for a couple of days and it could change your life. You know what I mean? Isn't that amazing? Um, and I just love blowing the L1. So, so, so bear with me, but people think like you're not, you're going, it's a two day. You think you're going there for a two day, like, Hey, to get a certificate or to learn some stuff about CrossFit, but you really, you're getting this crazy cultural, um, um, uh, what's the word in, in indoctrination. You're, you're like, you're getting, it's really not, it's really not explainable. But when I hear you say that you were just there two days and one of the trainers there is a dear friend of yours now, or at least someone that you, you, you can even go to their gym with your wedding party. I mean, that's, it just speaks volumes of that familial experience. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like the best summer camp you had as a little kid, but it's a two day CrossFit L1. I mean, it's nuts. Yeah. Um, the way I would describe it for me was before I got my L1, I just thought of CrossFit in the context of CrossFit Mesa. Like I didn't think of CrossFit in any other realm other than that's my gym that I go to, to do these fun workouts and get in shape. And then I got my L1 and all of a sudden CrossFit in my brain became this global giant community of of like-minded people, like all trying to help each other. And it's not just, it's not just the workouts, it's the culture, it's the community, it's, you know, the coaching, like things that you, I didn't really think about before. It was just, like I said, like I had no idea. I actually didn't even know what the games were when I decided to get my L1. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, there's this thing called the games. <laughs> like, um, it just, every, the world got a lot bigger. The crossover world got a lot bigger after my level one. So 
So then you, and it's a, it's a thousand bucks. It's been a thousand bucks for as long as I've been around for 15 years. Was that hard for you? Were you like, Oh God, a thousand dollars for two days. And and like, really I'm 400 pounds. And like, really is this for me? And like, you know, I didn't even think twice about it to be honest. Like good. I was so in love with CrossFit at the moment. Well, I still am, but, (laughs) um, I never even thought twice about the price. I was like, this is, the way I describe it to a lot of people is like the Ken who the Ken you're talking to now is not the same Ken who was sitting in that parking lot before he walked into CrossFit Mesa. Like after I got into CrossFit and started doing the workouts and losing the weight and meeting the people, like I had this transformative experience where like um, not to jump too far ahead, but that's why I decided to pay it forward and open my own affiliate is my old life was boring. Like I, I didn't, I felt no excitement going to the bar with my friends and eating chicken wings. I felt no going to work became the most mundane, boring thing when it was a job I used to love. Um, but it no longer excited me. I loved this CrossFit thing and this health thing and fitness and like I was obsessed. I became obsessed with it. So when, when I heard about level ones and stuff, I was just like, take my money. I don't, you know, it was saving your life and you wanted to get drink even more from the fountain. Exactly. From this wealth that was saving your life, this wealth knowledge. So then you take your L1 and then do you tell the, the owner of CrossFit Mesa, Hey, thanks for the, for the warm one year welcome and changing my life. Um, I'm going to open my own box. Um, no. And that is probably one of my biggest regrets is I was worried that though. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Valley, the Arizona Valley, but Mesa and Phoenix are like opposite ends of the Valley. Um, I opened up a box on purpose on the other side. So I wouldn't even be tempted to poach people or anything like that. But at the same time, like, I was afraid that he would think that. <laughs> right, right. So I, I I bought the affiliate and I, you know, I started the process of putting the gym together and all that kind of stuff. And eventually he found out. And then we had like a, I wouldn't say a fall. It wasn't a falling out. It was just more like a, you know, why are you keeping this a secret for me? And all that kind of stuff, which in looking back on it now, I wish I just had the balls to be like, Hey dude, I want to pay it forward. I want to open up my own gym. You know, thank you so much for everything you've given me, you know, that kind of stuff. But right. I wasn't there mentally. It's, it's one of my biggest, biggest mistakes. But but that's the advice you'd give to anyone who's going to open their own box. Just tell your affiliate owner, Hey, basically you inspired me and I'm ready to pay it forward. Exactly. And that's, and then if something, if that happened to me, like I already know, if someone just came up, uh, came up to me and goes, Hey, I want to start my own affiliate. I'd be like, cool. Let me give you, let me tell you every mistake I made. Let me tell you, you know, what you need to do to succeed. Don't buy jerk blocks. They're just going to sit in the corner. collecting dust. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I would, I would love to help somebody, you know, that'd be the ultimate pay it forward, you know, helping someone open their own affiliate. (laughs) You know, it's, um, when you were telling me the story about your mom, I was just the whole time picturing myself telling my kids that because right. it really is like that. It's like, 
the, the selflessness you get from having kids, is, it's bizarre. You can't even fathom it. Like I always used to wonder, I wonder if my parents would dive in front of a car to protect me or save me or like, uh-huh. and then now that I have kids, I'm like, oh shit. They were constantly like willing to throw their, put their life on the line for me. And I could That's, see it now. It's still such a, cause I don't have yeah. kids. It's such a crazy concept to me. Yeah. And it's still like, I get it. If, if I could talk to my mom one more time, that would be probably what I would say is like, thank you for, thank you for teaching me what love is, what true love is. And thank you for taking the time to change my life by making, having me make that promise. Like, thank you for giving me a second chance at life. Right. So you start this gym and that's CrossFit 602 and you start it with a partner. Yep. And you regret having a partner. You should have never done that. <laughs> I'm making that, that up. You didn't say that. That was probably my, my first advice to someone who wants to open an affiliate. Is, don't uh, have a partner. Well, if you're going to have a partner, just realize, well, even if you don't, just realize the money isn't going to flow You know, year one. I think that's the biggest mistake that affiliate owners make is they think, oh, I'm just going to slap CrossFit on my, on my door and all of a sudden I'm going to have like 500 members and we're going to be swimming in money. You know, it's, if that's, if that, if swimming in money is your goal, you shouldn't own an, you shouldn't open an affiliate. It should be about, you know, like I said, paying it forward and helping people. But I feel like so many people don't realize that it takes years of a small business to grow and to, to, you know, to see results. It's just like, Opening a small business is just like working out. It, t- it takes a lot of shit work and a lot of dedication and a lot of um, long days and long nights. And eventually you're going to see the results, but you're not going to see the results right away. Where did you find your partner at for CrossFit 602? He was one of my coaches at CrossFit Mesa. Okay. So you guys start this gym together. Mm-hmm. And how long are you there before you part ways? I little over a year. Okay. And um, is he still in the affiliate business? Does he still run an affiliate? No. Um, I'm not sure where he's at, but he, he originally was. So when we split, he opened up a different affiliate in another city. Um, but then he closed that one. And I think he moved to Chicago. I'm not hundred percent, but. Okay. But yeah. So you leave 602 and you open CrossFit Tempe. Yeah. And at this point, you are two years into your CrossFit journey. Mm-hmm. You're single. Mm-hmm. You, um, you are how, – how much do you weigh at this point? I'm under 300. I'm around 280, 290. Oh, shit. So you're yeah. really – you're on your game now. Yeah. I was, I was feeling good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, – how old are you now? Did you say? I was 36. No, but how old are you now? 39. Okay. Hey, you better stop dilly dallying. <laughs> hey, dude, it gets harder. I'm 40. I was just going to say, you had a kid at like, what, 42? No, I'm not talking about the kid thing. You can oh. wait as long as you want to have kids. You don't, don't hang out. If you want to be down at 300, don't hang out at 400 too long. Man, it's so hard to lose weight at 48. Woo! Oh, I bet. Woo! Yeah. At that point, it really you're still you still have a couple more years where you can work out and lose some weight. At my age, like it's all food. It's it's all about the food, man. Like yeah. I eat just like if I had two M and M's, I'd fucking 
<laughs> fucking blow up like a balloon. It's really, the inflammation's crazy. <laughs> so, okay, so you're you're 36, and you and you start your own gym, CrossFit Tempe, mm-hmm. and um and that's where I'm talking to you right now, and you're sitting there. Uh, yeah. This okay. Crossfit, I'm at the gym, yeah. And um. And tell me, tell me about that journey. So you open a gym. Do you have any coaches? How much does it cost to join your gym? How many members do you start with? Give me the whole. Um, when I was first on my own, um, I had two or three coaches. Um, yeah, I, I had like three coaches. Um, I think we're charging $99 a month. If you sign a year contract, it was like one thirty something. If you sign like a six month or something like that, that would be my, my other advice is know your worth. Cause once you start charging $99 a month, it's really hard to actually start charging, you know, more money. Okay. Good point. Um, good advice. Yeah. Um, yeah, we weren't, we weren't charging nearly enough for what we were giving everybody. Um, so yeah, we had, we had, three or four coaches charging about 99 to $135 a month, about 1200 square foot facility, 12, about 1500 square foot facility. Yeah. And, um, and did you have plenty of equipment? Did you have enough equipment? Man, (laughs) I had enough equipment, but then I went to the games one year and I bought a worm and that worm sat in the corner of my gym for about a year before I got rid of it. (laughs) So two things, don't get a worm and don't get jerk boxes. Exactly. That's gonna, the, like it. that's gonna be the name of my second book after uh was it sweaty um something and lonely yes second book is don't buy a jerk block and worm um what is it sweaty uncomfortable and lonely yeah so that's it so <clears throat> so you open the gym and uh that's in 2013 you've been there seven years and mm-hmm. somewhere in there you meet your current wife yeah so how we does were, that happen how did tell me about her first day at crossfit <laughs> um so we went to high school together um but then after high school we lost you know uh, we, we stopped talking um we were never dating in high school we we're just friends and then uh she saw me post something about um you know crossfit and my gym and she reached out to me uh, actually, I was doing a group on. I was doing a group on, and she messaged me through Facebook, and she's like, "Hey, I always want to try CrossFit. Um, can I just pay you instead of group on? Because I know you have to pay group on some of the money." And I was like, "Yeah, come on in." And so her and her friend came in. Was she hitting yeah. on you, or did she really want to try CrossFit, or both? <laughs> What's the real? Story? My theory is that she's always wanted me since high school, and this I like her, it. I this like was it. her chance to get with me. Um. What does she no. say? Does she say that's true or what? No, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> She's in denial. She's in denial to this day. You know? <laughs> no, she, uh, I guess she just wanted to try cause her cousin did CrossFit. And, um, so we, she signed up and we started coaching and because we had a history together, we just always had this relationship. We were, we'd tease each other, even on the floor of the gym, we'd always tease each other. And, uh, I had a girlfriend at the time. Um, so even if she threw herself at me, I would have said no. But uh, did your girlfriend go to the box? Was she at your gym? 
Um, occasionally, but she really wasn't into the CrossFit thing. She was more of like a marathon runner and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, we broke up, me and my, my old girlfriend, and me and Michelle, uh, we, that's my wife, Michelle, uh, we did a partner workout together. And after the workout, we just started talking shit to each other, you know, laughing and joking. And this girl uh, who went to the gym, she goes, you guys are such a cute couple. Why don't you guys date? And just like, like that, yeah, just I was like, another oh, client, like, just throw yeah, that on. Yeah, me. another client just threw that. I was like, I was about to say, you know, maybe. And before I even could say anything, Michelle just started laughing her ass off. She was just laughing and laughing. And then she goes, I could never date Ken because he's like a brother to me. And I was like, oh, my God. The brother zone. I got the brother zone. I didn't even get the friend zone. I got brother zone. So I took that as a challenge. Um, and then uh, later that day or the next day, uh, there was a birthday party. And there was a ton of people at this birthday party. Uh, this is all people from the gym. And I messaged Michelle and I was like, Hey, nobody showed up to the party. Can you come? Can you come? Cause uh, everybody's sad that nobody's here. And she goes, fine, I'll come down. So she got ready, drove in. There's like 50 people at this party. So I tricked her <laughs> and uh, I made my move that night. I just, you know, let her know I liked her and, you know, about six months later we were married. We got engaged after three months of dating. Um, and is she younger than you? She's actually a month older than me. Or three months older than me. And th what year is this? When is this? This was in... We, we just had our five-year anniversary. So this was six years ago. So Does it fuck up the dynamics of the box at all? To have your wife in there? So when we, we were dating, we kept it a secret for a really long time. Well, not really long because we were engaged after three months. For the first couple of months, it was a secret because we didn't want to fuck up, you know, anything. Like when I opened an affiliate, my very my one of my first rules were I'm not going to be that creepy guy that dates members. Right, right. I don't want to be that weird coach who's always hitting on girls, and that wasn't me. Uh, so when I first you couldn't when help we, yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Um, but when we started, uh, we started dating, I was like, let's just see where this goes first before we tell anybody just cause I don't want to mess up the community at all, but we really loved each other and we decided to get married and then we told everybody and that kind of stuff. So, and, and is, is it okay? Is it okay in the box having your wife? Yeah. Well now she's my business partner. So yeah, but, um, Great it's point. actually the, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me because she loves doing all the things that I hate. Like paying taxes and paying the, the rent on the building and uh, employee taxes and, you know, payroll and all that crap. All the stuff that takes brain power. My wife does yeah. all that stuff too. All the brain, all the, anything with numbers and writing. I could even tell you how much is in my bank account now. She just handles all. I just, like, awesome. I just give her my check. I'm like, you just you get everything going. Yeah. So, so you're cruising along and when we started the call, you said you were 400 pounds now. Mm -hmm. One of the first questions I asked is, have you ever put on, after you got down, have you ever, what's the most weight you ever put on? And so it sounds like the most weight you've ever put on is 115 pounds. Yeah. Is this, how did you get on this journey and is it scary? And especially relating to this COVID-19 thing, like, are you, are you freaking yourself out? Are you like, uh oh, 
Yeah, it's very scary from someone because I know obesity is one of the things that's hits the hardest with the with COVID. Um, <clears throat> so the weight gain is a very it's an embarrassing story, um, but I'm open to sharing it. Um, right before the day before me and Michelle got married. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to pay the rent for the bill, the, the gym, um, because we had just lost a bunch of members. Um, it was the lowest point in my, my affiliate careers. We lost a bunch of people. I thought we were going to close. I thought I was, you know, I didn't want her to marry a loser. So I told her that, Hey, we might be closing next month and I'm broke, you know, so you might not want to marry me. And she said that she didn't care about me being broke. She didn't care if I owned a gym. She just loved me and wanted to marry me. So um, I decided, so we got married and I made her a promise that I was going to be the man that she deserves. So I ended up working seven days. A, so let me back up. When I first started owning a gym, I sucked at sales. I sucked at marketing. I thought being a gym owner meant working out two to three times a day, you know, having fun with everybody, you know, coaching people like, you know, my priority was coaching people and nothing else and, and having fun. That was all that I wanted to do. Cause I was very immature as a affiliate owner and in real life, I'm pretty immature there too. Um, but after I got married, all of a sudden my whole mindset changed and I was like, you need to provide for your family. So I worked seven days a week, 15 hour days. I made sales marketing a priority. Like I, I, we grew, when we got married, I had like 80, 90 members. Uh, over the years, we got to 200, 250, 300 members. And I was just became a workaholic. And I was just like, I just want to be successful. Um, and I want to, and, that's a, that's a selfish reason. But another reason I wanted to be successful is like, I want to help as many people as I can. So if I wasn't selling, I was coaching, you know, I was either coaching or selling. Those were the two things I was doing all the time. And I never worked. I started, I didn't, I shouldn't say never worked. I went from working out three times a day to two times a day to one time a day to every other day. To, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a yeah, slippery yeah. slope. Yeah. So I, I stopped making myself a priority. Like I put myself at the bottom, which if based on this conversation, I hope you, this whole conversation, I, I think you might understand that with my self-esteem issues, it's really easy for me to put myself at the bottom. Right, right. I'm a people pleaser. I want everybody to like me. I want to be successful. So my, my, own, my own health wasn't, a concern post marriage. Right. So, and it's a horrible excuse. I feel really ashamed. No, no. Hey, no, you know what? That you're, you're nailing it. The, the really good thing is, is most people don't realize it until they lose their wives. Yeah. You have a friend of mine told me, my friend, Jeff Holman, he's been my friend since the second grade. He one time told me that you have to put 90% of your energy into yourself. So that in that 10% that you give to other people, 
be completely selfless, but it will be the best 10%. It will blow people away. And it really is like that. And what you did is you filled your gas tank up for a couple of years and then you went the other way and it sounds like spent all your shit. When really you need to constantly be filling your gas tank, right? People need to be like getting the overflow, not the, not, not you draining it down to empty. No, what you're saying is smart. I think what you're saying, I don't think it's embarrassing. I think what you're saying is like 99% of the world's, well, of the world. I think it's the people in the United States have that problem a lot. I agree. They think yeah. that they're going to help other people, but they don't want to take person. And part of it is because they don't want to take personal responsibility. Um, people need to take personal responsibility for themselves and then give that overflow. Mm-hmm. I, I give you one example. I give myself all day to my kids, no matter fucking what. But when I'm working out, I completely fucking ignore them. And if they step into the garage while I'm working out and get too close to me throwing weights, I'll just yell at them. Stand back. <laughs> and like, they'll start crying. And, and like, I would never talk. To, I don't talk to my kids like that unless it's that situation. Right. But they're going to know that that 30 minutes to 40 minutes every day, like, fuck yeah. you. And I'm doing it for, for you. <laughs> yeah, <no>. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I love your story. I think it's like, thank you. Yeah. I love your story. So basically, it's you, hard. To, it's, it, I mean, I like, I'm glad you like it. It's just, it's hard to, it's hard to actually say it because it's like I was so big, and then I lost all that weight, and then I, I, I didn't prioritize myself enough to where then I gained some of it back. Um, so yeah, it's just hard to say out loud, you know. Yeah. So so what what so and and, and are you working out now? Yeah, I am. Um, it definitely, it's, uh, oh, working out a lot slower. <laughs> my, my friend time isn't what it used to be. <laughs> Can you do a pull up right now? Not now. Not right now. No, I used to back in, back at the two ninety mark, I was doing pull-ups and stuff. Handstand pushups. Do you think you're going to get back to that? I'd like to, but my main goal is just like Glassman was saying, yes, was it yesterday or the day before? Just, just fucking work out every day. Yeah. Do something physical every day. Um, me and my wife went on a two mile walk. Um, and I felt amazing afterward. And I was like, my mind was more clear. And I'm like, I haven't felt like this in a while, you know? Um, you, owe yeah, it to I, her, you owe it to her too, you know? Exactly. And she, she is kind of like your new mom. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get into the Freudian weird shit. No, right? but you, uh, no, you, I, it's you, funny because I, I tell I tell my wife that all the time, and she freaks out. <laughs> well, you, you, the thing is, is your whole life you're trying to please your parents, and then mm-hmm. if you if you're lucky, you have a moment of enlightenment, and you realize it's not like that. You're free from your parents, but then the second you get married, it's going back to that or have kids. Like you owe it to be. You know, there's that saying: you are the five people you hang around. Well, your yeah. wife's just gonna um, reflect you. So if you let yourself go to shit or she lets herself go to shit, the other person will start involuntarily uh, reflecting that. You can't do that. You like, you owe it to her to, to, yeah. to get back in and grind. I've it's never an heard, I've never heard it like that before. I like that. That's pretty, you are, who, you become who you hang out with. Yeah. And so you can't, um, I mean, if I, if I see if 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 I open a beer at noon, my wife will have a sip of it. If I don't open a, a a beer at noon, my wife will never have a fucking beer at noon. Right. I mean that's a really um oversimplification, but really it, it just works like that. 
And so if you let yourself put on 100 pounds, you are basically signaling everyone around you that it's okay. Right. And, we, and, and, uh, and as, as – um, I'm not saying that to, for guilt trip or anything. Oh, no, I mean, I'm just I, saying we just all do that to the, the peer pressure that you've put on yourself by owning a gym is awesome. I, I fucking personally love it. Yeah. It sounds like it's almost like your job is to give people accountability, but you get it paid back. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you're yeah. accountable to them and you know, your clients would support you through all of it. Yeah. They're not going to look at you and be like, Oh my God, you're the coach and you're fucking up or every, like no one, no one on this planet looks like anyone who's a God. And if they do, they're fucking idiots. Cause none of us are, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're all, all right. we're all just reflecting each other's weaknesses and strengths. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Sorry. No, I like it. I like that uh, 90% selfish thing. That's uh that's kind of where I've come to in my life. I did not putting it like that, but like if I'm not selfish and put, my health, I can't help other people unless I'm healthy. Right. You know? And I want to help. When I opened up the affiliate, my whole goal was just to help as many people I, you know, until I die. And I can't do that if I die at 40. You know, right. so, you found the elixir to life and you want to share it. Exactly. So now my new philosophy is I just want to do a wad every day or maybe take a couple days off and, you know, you know, like take rest days. But you know, just move. Don't worry about the number on the weight or number on the bar. Just <clears throat> even a shitty time is a, is a good time. Um, Cause another thing that I had, prob- I mean, um, another problem I had is I got into that competitor mindset where you had to do weightlifting. You had to do a, a session of just conditioning. You had to do a metabolic conditioning session. Like, in my head for a long time, I was like, I have to have two hours a day to work out. And if I don't have that two hours, then screw it. You know, even though through my, all my training as an owner or as a coach, I'm like, you just need, you know, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day. And that's all you really need. If you're eating clean and moving, that's all you really freaking need. You don't need this tons of volume. So it took me a long time to even be like, well, okay, I don't want I need to be selfish so I can help other people. I get that. But where do I find this two hours to work out? And then if then finally, like, you know, about a month or two ago, I was just like, you don't need that much freaking time, stupid. When you were 600 pounds doing CrossFit, you just went to the gym and did an hour workout. Or it wasn't even an hour workout if you take out the warm-ups and cool downs. Like you just do the workout and then you go home and eat freaking, you know, protein and vegetables and you'll be fine. You know, it's, it's so weird how, at least for me, I fell into this trap of, I need all this time and volume to be successful as an, as an athlete. And, and, uh, it's just, it's just, um, my brain hey, is an interesting thing where it goes. <laughs> don't don't make the same mistake I did. Don't wait till you're injured to have that really thrown in your face. So like I, I be, uh, just your basics, just fucking idiotic shit. I was at a friend's house two Christmases ago on Christmas Eve, and I ate seventy five cookies and three hundred beers, and I just gorged myself right on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. So on Christmas morning, I'm like, I'm gonna do three workouts today. <laughs> 
And I fucking woke up in the first workout in the morning. I woke up and I did some deadlifts and I tweaked my back. Oh no. And then it's been two. And so these, and that's, that'll be two years ago this last, uh, this Christmas. But ever since then, I'm like, I'm never doing that again. That was my wake up call. Hey, Jackass, I was 46 at the time. Stop doing that. Yeah. Stop doing that. If you have a crazy night where you eat a bunch of cookies, don't, you're not going to fix it by working out three times. Just get back on the, just get back on the wagon. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, boy, I feel so much better. But like not having, I mean, I was probably never nearly as competitive as you, but I did like to lift heavy weights. Lifting heavy stuff, you know, was fun. But a couple of years ago, I just was like, it's not, it's not, um, it's not important. And then when I do need to lift heavy shit, I still can. It's not like yeah. I can't do it, but like I can do thrusters all day with 45 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then put 95 pounds on the bar and it doesn't feel any heavier, but I still just don't do it because I'm 48 and I'm five foot five and I just don't need to do that. I don't need to put my shoulder, my lower back. I don't need to put that stress on me anymore. Me personally. Yeah. I think it was like, I, uh, I think it was Ben Bergeron. He's like, if you do competitive programming, it's not about if you're going to get hurt. It's when you're going to get hurt. Right. And for, for the, for someone like me who just wants to be healthy and active, like all that volume and lifting heavy weight really isn't needed. You just, you can, you can get in amazing shape by just, like you said, 45 pound thrusters. Like you don't need, I, I had to have a big ego check. Like who I'm married. Who, who, I mean, my wife doesn't even know that a 300 pound clean is a, is hard to do. So why, why am I trying to do it? You know, um, I could I could do a 185 pound clean and a 300 pound clean, and my wife would clap for me just the same. Right. <laughs> um, that's a great point. Um, I heard Greg say that to achieve cardiovascular health, you have to take some risk with orthopedic calamity. So basically, every time you wake up and get out of bed, the chance of injury is there. Mm-hmm. So how how much more do you want to do than get out of bed? Well, the best thing you can do, as you and I both know, is CrossFit safely. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then you go to what Ben was saying. Yeah, if you drive, you know, there's a, there's a safe zone to drive between 45 and 65 miles an hour on the freeway. If you if you go slower than that, you're not going to get to where you want to go. But if you go faster than that, the chance of an accident increases dramatically. And so it's like, oh, that's yeah, a really cool. good metaphor. I like that. Thank you. I'm known for those. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. You, at, at one point, well, I want to finish on this. I want to finish on the COVID thing because it's so big. Okay. Uh, so on one hand, it's fucking amazing you found CrossFit because if you were 600 pounds and you get hit with COVID, you're toast. If you're worried about not being able to wake up because of being your lungs being crushed under your own weight, at 600 pounds, then if you get the flu, you're toast, right? Yeah. Um, and now you're 400. Are you freaked out at all? Are you like, oh shit, I have to just like, like what's stopping you? Like if I was you and I was like, got really scared, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to fast for 36 hours and just drink water. And then from there, I'm just only going to eat meat and fat for 21 days. You know what I mean? I would just like fucking, I'd have to be scared to death to do that. But like, it's kind of like that, right? Like literally the underlying conditions, everything I'm seeing is just fucking diabetics and obese people dying. I mean, mm-hmm. let's just say it's 90%. Right. 
Well, um, the good news is, is even though like I got out, got out of whack with my workouts and eating and I gained weight, I'm still actively doing CrossFit and I still work out. And, uh, every time I do get my blood work, like my doctors always are amazed by it because they're always like, so you're 400 pounds, but you're not diabetic. You're not pre-diabetic. Your liver functions great. Like, like, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm just this weirdo or just because I do metabolic conditioning, um, the markers are still pretty low for me. So that helps me not freak out. Um, I am taking my, you have great eyes, by the way, like you look like a fucking alert, uh, alert, alert person. Do you know what I mean? You don't look like someone who's metabolically deranged. You know, like sometimes their eyes are doing some weird shit. I mean, you look like when I stare at you, I'm like, fuck, this is a healthy, you look like a crossfitter. Yeah. (laughs) um thank you um so i'm not so much worried because my markers are still pretty good um that being said i know i need to get you know get it down there but um i've been doing social distancing and all that stuff so uh i'm not overly concerned besides the fact that um i was talking about how i like New Ken has this confidence and all this stuff. Like, I don't want to live in fear. So, like, yes, COVID's a scary thing, and I should take it seriously and do the social distancing stuff and, you know, not just try to hug every stranger I see. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not so obsessed with fear that I let fear control every decision I make. The best I can do for me is eat healthy, work out every day and, you know, hope for the best. I'm not going to like go on some, because I have such an unhealthy relationship with food. Like it would be really bad for me to, like you said, like go on a, like a a juice diet or proteins and fats and just, you know. Cause you would swing back the other way you're saying. I I would swing back the other way. Yeah. Like Like crazy two months of perfection and then fucking 1200 pizzas. Exactly. I would be great for a month and then I would just have pancakes and pizzas for a week. Yeah. And I, and I, I try to do things the way I would tell one of my members, I would never tell a member to just, you know, just drink juice for a month or just to starve yourself or just eat fruits and or meats and fats. Like, God, you're so much more stable than me. <laughs> so much more stable. You have such a good head on your shoulder, brother. I just like I feel like you know, especially like a real coach. I'm like a wannabe coach <laughs> just from behind my microphone. You should treat yourself like you would treat a client. Like and, and that's how I try to live my whole life, really, is like, would you be talking to somebody like that if you were at the gym coaching them? You know? Like, and the whole fear thing, I feel like our whole society is just so over we're we're frozen with fear not just with covid but like everything everything right. is this heightened super heightened thing where it's like life, everything has to be life or death you know everything's extreme there's no moderation anymore there's no middle ground it's either you believe this or you're a piece of shit right. you either believe that or you're a piece of shit you you know uh even with nutrition like nutrition is a funny thing too like 
if you're not doing keto, you're stupid. If you're not doing intermittent fasting, you're stupid. If you're not doing paleo, you're, you know, um, politics is the same way. It's just, I don't know. I try to be as sensible and logical as I can because my natural tendency is to be really emotional. So I try to be introverted in a way. And like, so even like when I'm having a fight with my wife, like she'll come to me with a problem because it's usually my fault. And then instead of just engaging right away, I will like sit there and I'll be like, okay, let's think about this, you know? And that's how I try to treat every situation in life. Like, um, don't respond to things with emotion. Try to use logic and reason and everything that you do. And you'll be pretty much better off. Cause if you, if you react, if you, if you respond emotionally to things, like I'm sure you've done this where someone sends you a messed up message and then you type this big, long, fuck you, you piece of shit. And then like, as you're like reading it, you're like, I better delete this. You know what I mean? For sure. So that's how I try to treat life is like, think of something then rethink about it and make sure that it's the right course of action before you actually do it. Some guys, some guy um, wrote on my Instagram account the other day. Um, my, I posted a video of my kids wrestling. Mm-hmm. And he and there were thirty comments saying this is amazing, and then there was one comment, and the guy said, "Hey, you're fucking stupid. You're gonna get your kids hurt. You're being reckless." He just wrote all this shit, right? Oh. <laughs> and I wrote this response like, "Hey, dude, you don't have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Didn't if you maybe you didn't have siblings, but that's what siblings do. And wrestling is the funnest thing in the world with your siblings." And I just and I wrote all shit, and then I erased it all. And um. I said something very simple, like, okay, or just, you know, just, just like, I, I heard you. Mm-hmm. And then he wrote, Hey, sorry. Um, nothing personal, but if you're going to put your life out on Instagram, people are going to judge it. And then I wrote back to him, this is all public. I said, Oh, it's definitely personal. It's touched a nerve with you. And I was, and he, then he wrote back something nice. You're absolutely right. It's touched a nerve with me. And then he explained something that happened in his childhood. I can't remember, but my point circling back to what you were saying, I felt so much better that I took a break and let him come to terms with why he said that to me than me saying, fuck you. Yeah. And it's kind of like that, um, this COVID thing or our president, President Trump, um, there are these things, they're so polarizing. Mm-hmm. And, or women who are PMSing, they're so polarizing. <laughs> um <laughs> When you said to me, you said to me just now, you're like, yeah, you have to come at them with logic. I was thinking, but how about that one week when you can't come at them with logic? <laughs> um, uh, God, I'm I will say that there's one, there's one week a month me and my wife fight a lot. So yeah, it's just that one week. That's it. I swear to God. Yeah, I tell her just don't go nuclear on me because then it takes too long to recover. Um, but but it's just you're right. It's amazing. No one wants to be like. You could be like, um, what did you think about Trump this? And someone will be like, he's a fucking racist Nazi. And you're like, okay. And you're a scumbag if you like him. You're like, all right. You know what I mean? Like, there's no there's no conversation. And it's like that, I feel like, with the COVID too. Like, um, there's the group that just wants the vaccine and be absolved of all personal responsibility. And then there's the other side that's like, hey, this is everyone's personal responsibility to make themselves better. Yeah. That's unfortunately the side I sit on, but I'm able to talk to the people on the other side. I don't have to like 
Um, I don't have to call them a name. I don't have to, I, I don't think they're stupid for thinking that. No, I think, I think a good person can have two conflicting ideas in their brain and not get angry about it. Right. Like, like I feel like we've, that's what we've really lost in society is like, you can put two different conflicting ideas in your brain to work itself out and without, with, and have the maturity to not lash out with anger. Right. You know? Cause like you said, with politics, it's like, if you're a conservative, you're a racist xenophobe. If you're a Democrat, you're a communist who's trying to take away everybody's money. Like, right, right, right. Middle ground. You nailed it. That's what I think of both of those. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, abortion's the same way, man. That thing deserves to be thought out every time. On one hand, you have people who think you're killing babies, and shit, man, that's a valid concern. And on the other hand, you have this thing of protecting women's rights. Totally valid. Yeah. How is there not like how can there not be a civil discussion around it? They're both such valid points. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, but no, people just want to go nuclear on you, like throw a rock at your car window or something. Yeah, and then when you go to COVID, it's like, yeah, like you were saying, you either have to shut yourself off from some society um, or you have to like go back to life as normal. I mean, there's a whole middle area where we can come to some understanding. If and the worst thing is... Sorry. No, no, you go ahead. The worst thing is what? Go ahead. The worst thing I see from a small business owner side is people who dismiss me wanting to open up the gym when it's safe as, oh, he just wants to go to the bar and get a haircut. I'm like, you know, I'm sure you've seen that. But it's like, no, there's lots of people who want to open up the economy because I spent seven plus years of my life building this small business. What's wrong? What's wrong, Ken? You don't care about people dying? You're so selfish. You're so selfish. You want to open your business and let an 83-year-old who's going to die next week die today? Exactly. Sorry. Now you know what side I fall on. Yeah, no. I I pretty much uh, – the, the HQ politics has been pretty famous for a while. <laughs> yeah. It's – um. none of us want anyone to die. Yeah, but but the discussion needs to have on what's both on the scale, right? It's a scale. We've closed the economy to save X lives. Now, mm-hmm. what's on the other end of that scale? And no one wants to talk about it. How many yeah. kids are being molested at home right now? How many women are being beaten? How many small businesses are going out? How many kids aren't getting educated? Like, how many people aren't going to the hospital and dying of strokes because they're afraid to go to the hospital because they're going to get the COVID? I mean, there's all this shit on the other end of the scale. Yeah, to save these lives of people with underlying conditions, but no one wants to have that discussion. I mean, you and I are now, but, but like the politicians need to like, really, I mean, is that how you see it too? It's a scale, right? There's a price we're paying right now. What is that price? I I guarantee you alcoholism is on the rise. Thank you. I'm Um, part of that. Bad eating. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's like, eh, like you were saying, it's noon and it's noon. I could have a beer. Um, I told my wife I woke up this morning. I'm not drinking today. I mean, why the fuck am I saying that at eight in the morning? Right? You know? Isn't that crazy? You're like, and then her response is really have yourself a pep talk about not drinking today. Right. And I would never do that pre-quarantine. Right? I yeah. No, unless you're on vacation, maybe. Right. But um, but yeah. So we have to decide. Like, do we? if we save every human being on the planet, but we're all back to a third world country, is that really worth it? If everybody loses their small business, alcoholism is on the rise. There's going to be more suicides, unemployment. 
Uh, Horrible supply, shit. The food chain, the supply food chain is being broken. Like, there's a lot of shit that's going down because we're being so precautious. And I'm, and when the governor shut us down, I didn't really think twice about it. I was like, okay, the people in charge say it's best for us to close our doors for a little bit, you know. But now, two weeks became uh, two uh, a month and a half. A month and a half turned into two months. And it's like, we need to get something going, you know? And we have a big gym too. So it's like, we could, we could have 10 feet of separation and still have 10 people in, in the gym, you know? And we could set weights. How big is your gym? It's 6,000 square feet. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we could have, um, yeah, our, 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 our uh, commercial rates are a little better here than California. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, we could have 10, uh, 10 by 10 squares with 10 feet in between and, and service 10 people at a time. It's, it's not undoable, but the government wouldn't even let us try. It's like, they just told us what to do. Like I can, I could have perfect social distancing in this gym where nobody comes near each other and everybody can still work out. And you could have a taser and shock anyone who comes close to. <laughs> That'll be my job. I'm going to sit in the rafters and just shoot anybody that comes near, near like me. Like a salt gun. I want to ask you one final question. All right. To anyone who's listening, who's intimidated to go to a box, whether they're, for whatever reason, they're overweight, they're anorexic, they're blind, they're, they, they, have, some, they have some issue. What, what, what advice would you give them? Um, don't be, don't be ashamed of what, what you've become. You can't change the past. You can only make your future better. Um, I would tell them just take it one day at a time. Just try to get a little healthier every day. It's not, it's, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I would tell them that CrossFit boxes aren't the scary place where it's just a bunch of super in shape people who look down on, on uh, unhealthy people. It's quite the opposite. It's everybody wanting to help you and nurture you with this positive welcoming environment. Um, and it's saved a shit ton of lives and it's going it could just save yours because, you know, metabolic conditioning is the way to, you know, you, like you called it the fountain of youth. It's, it's pushes away all those chronic diseases, you know, diabetes, all the, all that kind of stuff, cancer. Um, I would just tell them that there's hope. Like you don't give up hope. There's, there's so many people here who want to help you and you can you might be able to do it alone, but the odds of you doing it alone are not as great as doing it with a community. Cause there were days when I, even when I was in CrossFit, there were days I would just sit in the car and be like, I'm not going in today. I just don't. And they, like a coach would walk to the door and just knock on my door and be like, Hey, you're going to jump into this workout. That's how much the difference between a CrossFit coach and like a personal trainer at like a LA fitness that from being on both ends um, is that we care. Like you're not just, you're not just a paycheck. You're not just, 
you know, you're not just um, a number on a name tag. Like we want to help you. We want to scale the workouts to meet where you're at, to get to you, to help you get where you want to be. Like that's the most important thing, I guess. I'm rambling here, but I'm like, Oh, this is good. I'll yeah. interrupt you if you're rambling. Go. <laughs> I'm like, that's our job as cross as CrossFit affiliates and CrossFit coaches. Our job is to take you from where you are and help you get to where you want to be. And it's not going to happen overnight, but we're going to slowly move you along and slowly. And, and eventually you're going to look back and not be able to recognize the person you lose, the person you used to be. So that was my experience. Like, like I said, I, even with the weight gain that I have now, I'm nowhere near the same person I was before I walked into CrossFit Mesa. Um, How proud is your mom of you that she told you to save yourself and instead you've, you saved yourself and now you're paying it forward. I feel like she would be, I hope she'd be proud of me. Fucking dude. I just, this is the most noble, this is self-serving for me to say, this is the most noble profession you can be in right now. It's not a doctor. It's not a lawyer. It's not a politician. I think the most noble thing you can be do do right now in this society that's so fucking sick is you're basically manning a lifeboat. When mm -hmm. I think of you as an affiliate owner and some of the stories you're telling, I have this picture of you on a lifeboat, like waving your hands over here, <laughs> over here. Yeah. Well, I'll help you on. I'll help you on the boat. Come on. Mm -hmm. and, no, uh, and I feel like if, if we could figure a way out, <clears throat> to show people their future self and make them feel how they would feel if they just gave us six months, then you wouldn't even have to sell CrossFit memberships. People right. would just be in, in lines just trying to give you their money. Wow. So a machine, you point it at them and, and then it gives them, hey, this is you, not only what you look like, but somehow you would transmit that feeling. Because for you, it was a feeling, right? Yeah. You went from a guy, you went from a guy who was scared and wanted to hide under the covers to asking girls out. I mean, exactly. that's, that's kind of the, I mean, that's kind of the boyhood dream, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the dream you have your whole life from when you're seven years old and you see that first girl you have a crush on to when maybe you're 12 and you have the courage to get told no the first time. <laughs> get no a lot. Yeah. No, it, uh, CrossFit gave me superpowers. It gave me the ability to talk to girls. So. Um, and honestly, like even when people come into the gym and they're like, I want to lose 20 pounds, what they're really saying to you is I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel good in my skin. I want to feel good naked. I want to go to that pool party in July and not have people snicker at me or at least think people are snickering at me. Right. You know? It's, there's always like this. Like people tell you what they want and that's a very superficial want. But then if you keep digging and digging and digging, you'll eventually come to the core of what they really want. And what they really want is, like I said, to unlock their full potential, feel confident, feel good about themselves, feel, you know, uh, feel comfortable in their own skin, feel good naked. Like, um, and then obviously people, especially in your, in our forties, like we look at, you know, how our grandparents were when they were 50, 60 years old. And you're like, I don't want to be like that. You know, 
so for a lot of people who come to my gym, it's like, it's, uh, people are like, listen, I'm about to have, I'm about to be a grandma, but I want to be a cool grandma that can play with them and not just be in the corner on a respirator. Right. So it's like they want that fountain of youth. So it's not, it's not even like, I would say it's not even health. It's not even health. They say they want to be healthy, but they're in their mind. They're like scared, scared shitless that they're going to be like their grandma who was on a ventilator in a wheelchair. And they're like, hell no, I don't want to be that person. I want to be that fun grandma that took their kids mountain climbing. You know, that's the feeling that they want. It's not necessarily, you know, health. Even though health right. is important. Right. Um, it's cool that you're using the grandma. So when you're, when you're 20, it's not that you want to be, you want to lose 20 pounds. It's that you want to get a girlfriend. And mm-hmm. when you're 70, it's, hey, I want to be able to play with my grandkids. It's exactly. not you want to lose weight. It's, hey, I want to play with my grandkids. There is always that. You're right. There's something you want to do with that new you that you don't feel like you can do now. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, and the cool thing about CrossFit is the methodology and the programming accommodates your why, regardless if you're 15 or 70, like everything, everything that we do in these affiliates can help a 30 year old trying to lose 50 pounds. It can help a 20 year old get the girl. It can help the 70 year old play with their grandkids. It can give the pro football player his 13th year in the NFL. Exactly. Right. All of it everything it, and it is a really if you sit and think it is such an amazing methodology and, and concept that regardless of your why or your your past we can help you with your future you know right, wh- right, wherever right. you want to go this programming and this coaching is going to work for that and it's it's a powerful thing and that's the reason i get up every day is I get to be that guy to help people's futures. You know, I like that as an ending. I like it too. <laughs> Ken, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It was, this has been fun. This is my first ever thing like this. So I your hope next, uh, your next hope thing is to something a, to use. Yeah. You get, it's great. People are going to love this. Your next thing is to be a motivational speaker. Okay. You're my, you're my new agent. Book me some book me some tours. All right, brother. I'll see you around. Thank you so much. All right. So talk to you some uh talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Bye.